looking at that clock and it's intimidating me. I don't intend to go very long. That's okay. Sunday school usually gets out at 1130. We'll just finish when the Lord's done this morning. How does that sound? We'll just have a longer altar call until Sunday school is done. Amen. And I am preaching this morning by way of default. And I say it that way because Brother Bradford called me yesterday evening and was somewhat frustrated because he was prepared to be here this morning, flying home from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the Peak Conference. And his United Airline flight was delayed in Tulsa, which means he would have arrived at 6.05 in Phoenix. And that's the same time his connecting flight would be uh, leaving Phoenix to come to Bakersfield. So he was trying to uh, frantically make arrangements to somehow be routed through San Francisco or go to LAX and have someone pick him up. And those weren't working well for him. So he asked me to be prepared and he'll call me. And then he called me sometime later and, and let me know that he did get on the plane in Tulsa. But then they told everyone of the passengers to get off the plane because of weather in Denver. So he was, he was frustrated that he couldn't be in worship with us this morning. But I did text him, and he has arrived in LAX, and he is already en route down the grapevine to come to Bakersfield. I'm thankful for that because we do have a special speaker tonight. And I'm excited for revival at GBFPC, so don't forget service tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61. We'll read the first three verses of that scripture. And I make no apologies for getting to preach. I enjoy to preach especially to this congregation. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, read this way. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. For this lessons title this morning. I want to talk about something for nothing. Let's pray this morning. Savior, we love you. We appreciate the anointing that is in this house that we have already felt. God, I pray that you continue to move in a mighty way, that you would break chains of bondage. Lord, that you would remove fetters today that would bind us and hold us down. Oh, let the word of God be preached from this desk unfettered as you would have it heard, Savior. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. We lift up your name and give you adoration all across this house. Let's clap our hands and make a joyful noise unto the Lord, unto the rock of our salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Brother Nate, for your word shot this morning, for I have already felt its confirmation 
and God has already moved in such a mighty way that I feel confident in the word given to me in just a few hours to preach what I'm about to preach. Something for nothing. Something for nothing. I am very interested in development and watching development. I recently built a home, and I was the first home on my street where now some 20 homes within two years have been built. And it's interesting because now they're starting to develop the area on the other side of the street that used to be grape vineyards on the other side of Quell Creek. And uh, I remember when those grape vineyards were planted and they were harvested, and then a developer came and bought out all of that farming area, and they just let the grapes set there and wilt. And then later, um, earlier, two years ago, they started grubbing out all of those grape vineyards. And there were ditches, and there were ruts, and there was places cut into the earth for irrigation, and there were tanks that stored water on that vacant land. And all of that had to be removed so the plan could come into fruition and watching it develop every day, driving, leaving my subdivision down Quell Creek Road, I could look to the east and am impressed with what is going on and with uh, the type of work that I'm involved with, I kind of understand some of the things that are happening and uh, I get to share that with my family, although it may be boring to them, it's quite interesting to me. And they grub out everything and then they start bringing in or moving away dirt and and they move the soil out of the way and they shape it into uh, what they need it to be in order to create the subdivision that the planner or the designer has put on paper that has been approved and so they take dirt out they fill in those earthen ditches and they they create some other ditches and then they start to dig and in one particular area um, if you don't know what's happening, it could cause quite confusion. But I think an excavator has come out five times and dug in the same area and along, along Snow Road, just about a quarter mile. They keep digging and filling in and keep digging and filling in. And what they're doing there is, and all across this tracked home area, is they're putting in underground utilities. And there's things like the sewer, which is very important to have if you're going to build a home. Everyone wants sewer, uh, especially if it's not septic tank, unless you like septic tanks. Sewer is a little bit more manageable. Storm drains, so water could go somewhere whenever it rains, and they dig a sump out. They, they create this huge basin, all of this per plans, and they, they put in concrete um, piping so water can flow in a fashion that would not cause flooding or or in a fashion that wouldn't erode things that were built. And so they also put in electrical and gas lines, and they bring in water and all this digging constantly going back and forth. Before we see the final product, they bring in the electrical line, and they all of that by code has to be put underground now for new residential areas. So they put all of that in the ground. They put in fiber optic or cable for our internet purposes, and they make sure all of that is in place, and then they start packing the dirt on top, and 
then once they got everything inspected and built to code, then they can start working on things like the curb and gutter that outlines the front of our properties uh, in most of our areas where we live and, and, and the, uh, the main frontage street. So there will be a safety barrier there. There will be a flow line where water can hit from the road and roll into a, a, a drain gutter. And all of this is part of development. And they also will start building block walls. You'll see many tracked homes now. They'll put in huge block walls. And I'm fascinated at the craftsmanship of the workers that can come out and, and so quickly and aptly put together these structures. It's fascinating to me. And then they'll, they'll start pounding the dirt with heavy equipment and getting it flat and straight and grading it smooth. And they'll put up the sewer manhole lids and, and all the water valve lids up to grade to where the new road is going to be. And then they'll lay aggregate base and then they'll lay aggregate concrete and they'll, they'll smooth the asphalt and make a nice travel lane there. And then they'll start um, putting homes on the pads that they have built to a certain elevation be, depending on the type of flood zone you're in. There's, there's pads and for your home before they put the concrete down and then, and then the home process starts and they build the foundation for the home and then they put up the wood framing and they start with windows and they find those plumbing lines, those electrical lines, sewer lines, those gas lines and they start weaving that through the fabric structure of the home making sure that everything is in place for this residence and then all of a sudden you'll start to see sheetrock go up and and, and, and insulation behind the sheetrock, you'll see uh, stucco and on the outside starting, uh, starting on the outside. And they'll paint the house, and they'll paint the inside of the house. They'll mud and tape the sheetrock. And, and then cabinets go in, and fixtures, and lighting, and ceiling fans, and, and tile, and carpet. And then a buyer comes along. And what used to be just blank and vacant land, that used to be an old vineyard that got bought out now is something that someone can purchase and live in and make a family and have neighbors and have a community to be a part of and start a life. It's just interesting how all of that begins and in my trade and in serving one of the things that we're asked to do quite often is to go out into a vacant area or an old dirt road area and we're asked to measure and survey and show on ground where everything is, where telephone poles are, where existing fence lines are, where water valves are. And, and we, we collect all of this data and, and we submit it to an engineering department and they, they analyze the data and they create quantities and they, they, develop, uh, they develop plans that show where a new road can exist now, where a road wasn't. And they send that out for approval to the state and they get funded for it and then a bid comes into the paper where a developer can come in and make bids on, on, on that project. And all of a sudden, we have a road project uh, underway because of something that started with nothing. Somebody had a vision. Someone had a need. There was a need for this road. Um, there was development happening. and People needed access to their properties that, that was good access. And the county came and helped that, uh, make that a possibility. Um, I, I said before that I'm fascinated with woodworking, and lately I've been just trying to accumulate. The more I see all the cool stuff that you can do with wood, the more I realize the tools I don't have that I need to do what I want to do with wood. And uh, there's just some unbelievable talent 
in the world today. There's some people out there that have artistry skills that can just make something out of nothing. I saw a couple of days ago a person take a chunk of a tree trunk, set it on the ground, and with a long chainsaw began uh, to start shaving off pieces of bark and hacking away other chunks of wood. And, and you don't know at first what he's doing, but he's cutting away. Then all of a sudden he carves some beautiful creature out of this, what used to be just an old tree stump because there was a, ta- there was a want there. There was a need there. Someone wanted, <laughs> wanted a bear, you know, carved out of wood. And so this guy knew how to do it. And so he did, but he made something out of nothing. And we could go on and on about these kind of things, so making something out of nothing. You could have a good cook, and there are many good cooks in the house of God today, but they could take simple ingredients like flour and eggs and vanilla and sugar, and they can mix all of that together with certain measurements, and then there will be a beautiful cake that will come out of the oven ready for icing and for eating. Thank God for good cooks in the house of God today. Amen. Making something virtually out of nothing, putting things together. But in all of these things, and in every one of these developments, and every one of these um, items that were made, there had to be a willing decision that was made, that there was a need. There had to be a cause, and there had to be a willing uh, a decision made by an individual. There had to be a sacrifice that was made. There had to be a sacrifice of the grape vineyards and a sacrifice of, of, of the fruit of, of the vineyards that had to be put away so a residence could be built. There had to be a sacrifice somewhere in all of these things. And there had to be a creator. I'm thankful today that there is a God who has a plan for our life. There is a master Whether we see the plan or not, whether we understand how it's going to work or not, if we're willing to let God put his hands on us, he can create something out of nothing in the house of God today. You may feel that way. You may feel like you are nothing. And you may feel like there is nothing that can be used from your life. But let me tell you, as has already been stated in the house of God today. When you let God take your life and mold it in the fashion that he sees fit and you become willing. And yes, there has to be sacrifice. You have to give up some things sometimes in order for God to let his perfect will come to pass. Let me tell you, friend, God can do something great in your life if you are just if you would just let him. It's really what God wants to do today. He wants to mold us and shape us and fashion us into something better for his kingdom. He wants to produce more life out of us. He wants his kingdom to advance from us. I don't want to come to church and just be on the receiving side. But I I want to be a producer. I want to be a vessel of honor that God can use. I want to hear him say, well done my good and faithful servant, and I want to serve him. And what that means is when I come into God's house, I have to be prepared to let him mold and fashion and shape me into the design that he has for me. Put your hands together and worship him this morning. This is kind of a a corny joke, but I love it. I heard it when I was little. 
And uh, one time, I think I was in middle school, and someone held up a white sheet of paper, and they said, what do you see? And the answer would be a white sheet of paper. But they laughed, and they said, ha ha, I see a white, a white cow in a snowstorm. And it just hit me funny, and I've always, I've always used that joke. You don't get very many laughs out of it because it's kind of dumb. But it is kind of interesting that someone saw something totally different where I saw something plain and boring and really not useful. The other person saw something more creative that had more potential, that had more in its design than just something plain and boring. And that's how it is today when we come to the Master. I want to read today from Jeremiah chapter number 18. It says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. We need the potter's hands on our life. We need him to mold and to shape us into that fashion that he sees fit. And sometimes there is a lump, as has been stated, in the clay. And that clay must then be marred again and pressed down. But the master once again will put his hands on that vessel and shape it into something useful. Shape it into something that can be used, that can bless somebody else. Hallelujah. Somebody else needs a blessing, not just me. Somebody else has a desire in the house of God, not just me. I don't want to be self-centered this morning. And I don't only want to think about myself, how easy it is for Jeremy Brock to come into the house of God and only think about things that pertain to him. But oh, how powerful and how thought-provoking it is when we get a different mindset and say, God, what is it that you can do through me? How can I bless someone else with your spirit and your anointing inside of me? I don't know what your desire is in the house of God today. Is it just riches? Is it just becoming something great? Is it buying homes and getting cars? Is it like the song we sang this evening, this morning, or this special song? Are we just here to get, gain material things? Or really is your desire to be a blessing to somebody else, to be a blessing to the hopeless, to be a beacon, to be a vessel where God's anointing can bleed out onto somebody else? I want to be kingdom-minded this morning. And the only way way that can happen is if I can sacrifice and be willing to let God take out of me whatever lump he sees unfit and fashion and mold me and create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Doesn't it feel good to have a clean heart 
Isn't it a great thing to come to the house of God and get all deceit and all lust and all filthiness of the flesh out of your heart? The only way that can happen, my friend, is for you to be a willing vessel and let God mar you and press on you. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's not as you see planned. But if you let God do his work in due time, in due season, you will become what God has planned for you. That's a good word. That's a good word. Must be sacrifice. Coercion is not sacrifice. Coercion is not something that can be related to sacrifice. I'm not doing this because I'm forced to. That's not sacrifice. If you're forced to live for God, you're not sacrificing. If you're here because your parents take, and I know the kids are are in class, but if you're here because someone's making you come to church, that's not sacrifice. That's coercion. If you're here because you feel guilty, my friend, that's not sacrifice. You're here because you just feel guilty. You're not giving up anything. Or if you're here just because you feel like it's your duty. Or it's something you're supposed to do. It's really not your desire. But you're here because you have to be. My friend, that is not sacrifice. That is not something that God can honor. It's just like giving an offering. He doesn't need our money. But he loves a cheerful giver. Not someone that's necessarily giving because they have to. And I understand we have to give. But someone that wants to give. And that is glad to give. And that has faith that, you know, I'm giving. And I'm not preaching. I don't live off the tithes of this church. But I am a tithe giver. And I learned the hard way that it's better to give joyfully than to give grudgingly. It's better just to be a willing giver. Because you can never outgive God. And this isn't a lesson on tithe and offering. This is a lesson on sacrifice. When you get in your head, hey, it doesn't matter what the cost is. It doesn't matter what I'm giving up. Because I know that on the other side of this plan, there is a beautiful design. And there is a creation that only God can make. And that's why I'm doing it. I'm sacrificing totally this morning in the house of God. Not because someone's making me, but because there is a Savior who died for me. There is one who went to Calvary and gave everything for me that I could stand here whole before you today and lift up my hands, Jesus, and worship you. That is why I am sacrificing, because I know the one who sacrificed for me. And when you understand the debt that Christ paid for you and I to be here today in this beautiful sanctuary, it's easy to raise your hands. Oh, that's not sacrifice. This isn't hard to do. This isn't hard to do. That's just minimal. But it's so good to give to him, and I'm willing to do it because of what he gave to me. My generation and the generation after mine really needs to understand what sacrifice is. I see it. Those my age, those I work with, the millennials, 
And I'm not going to get political. I don't think I'm a brilliant political mind. But we can't get at, give every, everything away for free. There has to be sacrifice somewhere that's costing somebody something. I'm not against welfare as long as there's a plan B. I'm not against aid, aiding someone, as long as there's a plan B. I, I'm a beneficiary of food stamps, of, of welfare. I know what it is to be a part of the system. My mom's here today. She can tell you. But if we have the mentality that there is no sacrifice, that I don't have to do my part, then God cannot do his part. And we tie his hands. Thinking, thinking this morning about the blessings of God and getting something for nothing. What a great deal it is, by the way. What a great paycheck you get from the Lord when you just give him everything that you have and he replaces it tenfold. He gives you more than you ever deserved or desired or even sometimes more than you can even handle when you just sell out to God. I was thinking today, seeing my brother Chris, who was actually born in... Um, at KMC, we lived in Brother Terry's house on Flower Street. And I could tell you stories. I have found recently someone sent a picture to me of my family at that time. Um, and we didn't have much. We didn't have much. We couldn't even dress right. One of the pictures I have, Mom, is my brother Donnie. You're holding him. And he doesn't even have matching socks. And one sock's about, it's not even pulled up all the way. It's dangling in the picture. I mean, we were so poor. Even the roaches were on welfare in our house. And I don't mean that to be funny. Yeah, I do. There were times we didn't have food. We didn't go out to eat. I was thinking today, we don't have very many family pictures because we couldn't afford them. I'm just being honest. And this isn't about me today, but I'm just saying, God can do something great in your life. God can use you mightily for his kingdom. If he can do it through me, he can do it through you. I had nothing to give God. I'm still amazed when I wake up in the morning to be blessed, to be a part of this church. It drives me to serve him. It drives me to sacrifice. It makes me want to be a better Christian. Hello, is this good this morning? I know this is plain and simple, but this is really the nuts and bolts of life. Are you ready for God to use you? Then you have to be willing to sacrifice. A couple weeks ago at Camp West, I preached on this about David, one day was called, or actually was tempted, the Bible says in one passage of Satan, to go and count all the armies of Israel, to number every, men in the, every man in the infantry. The Bible says that Satan tempted him, and this was something that Joab, the captain of his men, urged David not to do, because David called Joab, and he said, I want you to go and I want you to number all of my men. 
And Joab said, you shouldn't do this thing, David. This is something that will cause the Lord great anger against you and his people. Why would you do such a thing? This is not something I advise King David. But David made the mistake and gave Joab the charge to go and number all of the men that he had in his army. And so David did this thing in Joab. It took him about 10 months to go and number all of the people. And he gave a certain number of men from Judah and a certain number of men from Israel. And, and there were even some he didn't count. And he gives that number to David. And immediately David felt bad because he knew that he had sinned against the Lord. And so God spoke to David's seer, a man by the name of Gad, who went to David and told him, the Lord has given me the instruction to offer you three choices. Three choices for your sin. Number one, do you want famine in the land? Number two, do you want to run from the enemy and be destroyed by the enemy? Or number three, do you want pestilence from God to overtake your people? David did something that was very wrong in the eyes of God. He was taking for granted those things which God had blessed him with and took it as something that was his own cause, as if it was, it was King David that grew the armies of Israel. I'm telling you, when we take for granted the things that God has given us, we're going to lose them. It is because of God that we have anything good. It is because of God that we have the very breath that we breathe. It is because of God that we have good paying jobs. It is because of God that we have nice homes and beautiful vehicles. It is because of God. And if you think for one minute that it is because of you, you're in dangerous, you're in a dangerous place, my friend. That is something that God, that God deserves all of the glory. God deserves every praise that we can give. God deserves all of the honor. He wants someone to recognize that he does deserve it. Hallelujah. I think it's all right. If we just praise him this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for everything that you've ever done for me. We honor you and we praise you and we give you the glory. Hallelujah. I could not do it on my own, but because of you, I am what I am. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so David angers the Lord in this manner, and it causes great harm to the people of Israel. David says to Gad and to the Lord, I would rather choose pestilence from the Lord because at least I would be in the Lord's hands because David understood this David understood that if there was going to ever come any help it was going to come from the Lord so he would rather let the Lord trouble him than his enemies or famine and so there went out pestilence and illness immediately upon the children of Israel and in three days David lost 70,000 men just counted his men, and now he has to give back 70,000 because of a foolish error on his part, because of counting something that wasn't his, for God, that was actually God's. And so 70,000 men perish, and God sends an angel with a sword that is floating in between earth and the heavens, and the angel draws out his sword to do damage, and God 
has repentance, and he tells the angel to be still, to not do anything yet. And so the angel is floating in the sky with his sword erected, held out above, uh, above the children of Israel. And Gad tells David, you need to go to Ornon's threshing floor. You need to create a sacrifice there. You need to go and make things right. You need to go and pray to God that this pestilence would stop. And so the Bible talks about this in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 21. You can read it. And this is in verse 22, 23, thereabouts, David goes to where Ornon is. Now, Ornon had four boys, and this was Ornon's threshing floor where David was supposed to sacrifice. And Ornon and his four boys were in hiding because they looked up in the sky, and directly above them was this angel with his sword drawn over them. And so Ornon and his sons, they go and they hide. But then they see their king, King David, arriving to his property, and he goes out to meet him. He goes out to speak with King David. And David tells him, in more or less words, I need this threshing floor to sacrifice unto the Lord. And Ornon's response was very worthy. He said, oh my king, take everything that you need. The threshing floor is yours. Take it. And as a matter of fact, the oxen that I use, you can have them for sacrifice. Oh, and you can also have the instruments, the yokes. You can have all the instruments that we use upon the oxen for wood to burn in this sacrifice. Take it, David. Take it. Do what you will, O king. And I like the response that David fired back with. He told Ornon, he said, Nay, I will not take this for free. I don't want to take what the Lord has given for granted. Because David just learned a very hard lesson that you don't take what the Lord has given for granted. He says, I am not going to accept this for free. This is the Lord's. I will pay. And David uses the words, full price. I will pay the full price. And so David pulls into his pocket. He pulls out about 50 ounces of silver and about 15 pounds of gold which equated to about today's economy about $345,000 and he gives it to Ornon for the oxen and for the land and for the instruments that the oxen used he paid the full price he was willing to give whatever it took to purchase this piece of land and I'm telling a house full of seasoned saints today who know what it is. There's some elders in this house today that have testimonies that could put the devil on the run. They could tell you how they paid the full price. And because they gave God everything that he required and then some, 
we're able to stand in a church house today and preach this truth and pass this torch to a younger generation. There's some testimonies in the house of God today from some people that could tell you, when I gave everything over to God, when I quit fighting, when I quit resisting what God wanted and I totally sold out, that's when the blessings of God came. That's when God's anointing fell. That's when the power fell from heaven. And that's why I'm here today. That's why my children are here today. Hallelujah. Somebody has to be willing to pay the full price. There needs to be a willing desire. And there needs to be a sacrifice so the creator can do his work. So David offers his sacrifice unto God. And finds repentance in the eyes of the Lord. And he commands the angel to leave and to put away his sword. And this was something that David would always remember. And so this threat floor became very special to King David. And he said, this is where we're going to build what later became known as Solomon's temple. And so... David, because of all the bloodshed in his life as king, he could not build it. The Lord would not allow him to build the temple. So he provided all the instruments of brass and all of the wood and all of the iron and all of the gold. In the next chapter, you can read about it, where he put up all the provisions for his own son Solomon to put his hands to the Lord's work. And on this threshing floor, where great sacrifice was made, where great sacrifice was made, where the full price was paid. You see an ancient landmark, which later was destroyed, known as Solomon's Temple, built there. The power of God moved there in many ways, at many times. And it wasn't too far from that place. They say approximately three blocks where the ultimate sacrifice took place. Yes, I'm talking about the hill called Golgotha, where our master came and died for us, where our master put away all of his fleshly desires and became as, as an innocent lamb and died for us because of someone willing to sacrifice, because someone was willing to pay the full price, because someone was willing to say, I am going to give it my all. Talking about the full price for sacrifice. I'm talking about making something out of nothing. And I'm almost finished if the musicians could come. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and bought it. Two instances here, two treasures. The first talks about a treasure in a field. The other talks about a pearl. 
the man who found the treasure in a field, the Bible says he hid it. And he went back to his home. And he sold everything that he had. It didn't just say he sold some. He sold a little bit. He sold half. But he went home and he told his wife. He said, hey, honey, we're having a big yard sale today. Put some things on eBay. We're selling it all. Because he realized that he had to give all to get something that he never had before. To get something that would bless him for his entire life. A great sacrifice was required, and he was willing to do it. He didn't do it because he had to. He didn't do it because someone was making him do it. He didn't sell everything that he had because he felt like it was his duty and it was the right thing to do. But he realized in order for him to be happy for the entirety of his life, from that point on, for him to be blessed from that point on, he had to purchase something. He had to purchase a field that looked like there was nothing in it. But he found a treasure in the field. And so he went and he sold all that he had. Today in the house of God, what does God require of you, man? All he wants is all that you have. Really, we don't have much. Oh, you could be like the rich young ruler who thought that his possessions made him who he was. Who thought that everything that he owned made him something of great stature. But if a man gain the whole world and lose his own soul, what profit does he have? Today, the most valuable treasure we have in the house of God is this anointing. Is this Holy Ghost? Is this one God truth message? Is the Acts 2.38 message? And it's not just for us, but it's for us to share. It's for us to spread. It's for us to testify about. But we have to be willing to sacrifice. We have to be willing to lay it all down. Everything that's in our way, all of our pride, all of our lusts, all of our evil desires, we need to give it over unto the potter and let him mold us and fashion us this morning as we stand together in the house of God. And I come to a close. I'm talking to somebody today. I'm speaking to someone who, in your own life, you have depressions. You see no value in your own life. You have worries. Things have come up and choked up. Your walk with God your worries, your cares, things that you feel like are more important, things that you're, you're not willing to sell out to or sell to sell out to God, rather. You're oppressed. You're afflicted. Today I'm talking to you. 
Maybe your marriage isn't where it should be. Today I'm talking to you. Because there is a master who can heal your marriage. There is a master who can provide good things to your life. There is a master who has a plan for you, but you first have to be willing to sell out. You first have to be willing to say, I'm willing to make the sacrifice. I'm going to pay the full price. It's interesting what we'll pay just in terms of money, what we're willing to throw money at just for the simple joy it gives us. I, I like to buy used things because not that that's the right thing to do. I'm not condemning anyone for buying anything new. I like to save money the best I can. But it's amazing when I used to look at a new phone and think that $400 was just outrageous. And now if you want a new phone, you're going to pay twelve dollars to $1,500 for the newest smartphone. Cutting edge. And there's people... <laughs> I just came back from a camp full of kids and they're wielding iPhone X's and the newest of technology and they don't live in the best of homes. And I'm not condemning them. Maybe they got a great deal. That's great. But it's willing what we will pay the full price for. It's willing what we will go out and work hard for just to buy a little piece of happiness, just to bring a little bit of joy into our life. Really, the Bible says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Why don't you sell out to God today? Why don't you give God everything that you have? As they sing a song of invitation just for a few moments where you are, you can raise your hands. You can even come up to the front today. But I want you to make a commitment in your mind and in your hearts that you're going to give God everything. You're going to pay the full price. You're going to pay the full price. God, I give you everything. God, whatever it takes, Master, whatever you require of this man, I'm going to lay it down before you. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, talk to the Lord. He is in this house just for a few more moments. How about a conversation with Jesus? How about a plea unto him? God, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever is in my life that you see unfit, God, mold me, shape me after your will, God. Hallelujah, that's right. Talk to the master. Hallelujah, we praise you, God, and thank you for the word of God this morning. Lord, I'm giving you everything, all of me, Savior. Hallelujah, have all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength. Sometimes God needs our mind. Sometimes We need to put our thoughts on him instead of the cares of this life. Oh, God can bring you great peace this morning. God can give you joy in your life if you're willing to sell out. Hallelujah. 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 Have thy way, Lord. Have thy way. Come on. Let's just raise our hands and praise him and sing this song together. Hallelujah. Have thine own way, Lord Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen.